digital lynch mobs. Yeah. Who had who had that on your bingo card? I did. I did. Um, I fully expect them to be like, you know, Trump ordering it from like parlor or something, but no, it's some dipshit CEO in LA. <laughs> Somehow that doesn't surprise me as much as it should. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's from a company that, um, if you don't know about it, you probably should. It's um, it's called Citizen, originally known as Vigilante, which is the app's real purpose, I think. The app's- and that total, it doesn't give the game away. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. Um, the whole point of it is to be like crowdsourcing cop work basically this Uh, isn't like waze where like you know they're crowdsourcing like traffic information or whatever that that's kind of cool it's just you know it's also a great way to dodge um speed traps oh yeah yeah no this this is for your inner karen your inner blue lives matter sadist if you don't have one, congratulations. You've killed the cop in your head. <laughs> but for, you know, the rest of the, you know, the Karens out there, the Kyles, the Derek Chauvins, <laughs> Citizen is for you. and Especially the George Zimmermans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what Citizen basically did in this case was offer a $30,000 bounty on a homeless man who the police had caught already and um, had concluded that, you know, he wasn't actually committing any crimes. Um, We are speaking, of course, of the um, L.A. arson um, that's like, you know, spreading kind of out of control. Um, and the part of the reason that, like, you know, the citizen CEO guy is doing this, uh, what's his fucking name? It was, I, I it was mean, something... honestly, I don't care. Yeah. He's yeah. a prick. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, yeah, anyone who's sicking a digital lynch mob on random homeless people because you're, mansion in bel-air was at risk of fire yeah as you know anyone who's ever lived in oh that's perfect (laughs) it's like you know anyone who's ever lived in los angeles will tell you the la hills are like a gigantic fucking tinderbox that go up every other fire season Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like if you're putting your mansion up there that's what you paid for yeah i mean that's that's the game you play now um since you know you won't fund like actual fire services or anything um this is what happens you're well and you can pull shit like the kardashians who hired a private fire service to protect their mansion that's true that's true 
I don't think this guy quite uh, is quite there yet. He's just at the level where like he can buy property in Bel Air, but he can't quite afford to pay for you know a full private fire company. <laughs> At least not yet. Not yet. He's hoping to get there. <laughs> uh... Yeah, this is... Yeah, so instead we'll just turn loose everyone within, you know the Topanga Canyon to go after this poor bastard because a fucking CEO went, that man is a vagrant. He must have been coming for my house. Yeah. It was like, somebody misidentified him at one point and you know, the police caught him, but not before, like, some homeowners association that frame is part of um, start spreading the word. And so, yeah, it's like they sicked, <laughs> they sicked a bunch of Karens on him for like $30,000. <sighs> and, you know, they put out some apology about, Oh, we'll, we'll do a better job on our vetting process. It's like, I mean, honestly, to be fair to, citizen and i can't believe i'm saying this the lapd would do the same thing mm-hmm. the la sheriff's department would have probably fucking shot the guy yeah if like his picture wasn't all over the internet already yeah i mean it's like the whole thing is like basically well I mean, we don't actually know who started it. We know it was, uh, from what we've heard, it's, you know, it was deliberate. I mean, you know, fire season doesn't normally start this early. But... Like, the conditions are there. We've covered that before. But this is, you know... Yeah. But still, it's... It's kind of funny that he's sitting here going, I swear we're going to improve our vetting processes. And it's like, who are you going to ask the LA law enforcement establishment? Because yeah. this is about par for the course for them. Um, so, <laughs> like, I'm not sure what it says that he's batting the same average as the cops with an app and a bunch of Karens. So, yeah. <sighs> <sighs> Welcome to Chop Chop Economics. Yeah, we read this shit so you don't have to. <sighs> well, then let's get into it. Yeah. So. Oh, really quick. We got a Patreon. Mm-hmm. Please throw a fiver in at patreon.com slash chop shop economics. Um, it gets you early access to our content like this. Um, and uh, as we're able some sweet bonus content yeah we got all sorts of stuff up there we're trying to get more up but you know (sighs) since it's been the two of us for a while um you know the content mill is a bit stuck but we'll do our best and let's be honest it's easy to churn out two episodes a week when you've got Chapo money 
We've yeah. got I wait tables money. Pretty much. You have I wait tables money. I have I get nothing money. <laughs> um so yeah. <laughs> right, um, let's get into it then. Alright. So Our top economic news. JP Morgan's forecast is out, and it's not good. You remember all that recovery shit they were talking about? How, you know, by summer, it would be, you know, white boy summer, everybody going back to, like, restaurants and movie theaters and all that. The indicators... Like, I think Biden was promising, like, back to normal by 4th of july which is totally not a political target um (laughs) i swear the best experts at the cdc decided that vaccinations going well enough that everyone can go out and see fireworks and spend money on piles of meat yeah yeah i mean that's basically what we're looking at right now (laughs) and it's I don't, I don't see it. And apparently JP Morgan doesn't see it either because the indicators they're looking at, which are, you know, restaurant and travel spending. Um, while there is some recovery, um, you know, airlines are still down by about, 40% compared to um, the start of the crisis um, last January. Um, lodging is in a similar position, um, 35% down. Um, restaurants, 15% down. Um, and indicators for entertainment movie box offices are still at like 88%, um, which is not the worst it's been, but it's still pretty bad. And pro sports attendance is still off by like 50% for obvious reasons. Yeah. Like, and you could make an argument that to an extent, and you know, JP Morgan does point this out, that part of this is because you do have pandemic measures still in place in a lot of parts of the United States. Um, not consistently, not uniformly. And we'll get into that when we get on to plague news. Um, but like, even so, you kind of you could make sort of an a b testing argument here of here's the states like florida and texas that have gone fuck it we are completely reopening and texas has even taken it to the level of like governor greg abbott being like i will fucking come after you if you are a local municipality and you put a mask mandate in place um yeah the glorious leader so we've got like Uh, Something of a gruesome case study here of states that have no real, like, restrictions in place, and states that do, and there's nothing in J.P. Morgan's analysis to suggest that this has had any impact whatsoever on spending. 
Like we're not seeing an uneven recovery of the Texas and Florida tourist industries while New York and California languish in deep recession. Yeah. And it's just, it's, this is not a good sign. None of this is a good sign. And this is happening with, by the way, the supply crisis that's just rippling across the economy. Like, chicken, like we pointed out last week, has become almost impossible to get in the restaurant business for love or money. Uh, Prices are up across the board for everything. Like, there was one report recently posted that said, for the first time since data has been collected since 1992 we have reached just an absolute unprecedented peak in terms of the discrepancy between demand for goods and retail orders for goods across the board. So it's, this is not like a question of just people are not spending money or going out because COVID, which is certainly a factor. It's people are not spending money and going out because COVID and the pressures of reopening a an economy with a supply chain that just got its guts ripped out for the last year is really putting a lot of strain on the fundamentals of this economic system mm-hmm. that is not supposed to be there like under neoliberal globalized capitalism this shit's not supposed to happen even the shutdown was not supposed to happen Oh yeah, like this is. <laughs> There's no give. There is no give. Like, I think a large part of why they ran through that CDC mandate, uh, that CDC mandate relaxation for vaccinated people, it wasn't quite just because of the science. Um, it was also basically they gotta get this economy moving and like you know there's not gonna be any further stimulus so you know you pigs need to get out and start doing things again and I guess fine you can take off your mask now if you're out in public so you know now you can like eat at restaurants and shit and not feel guilty for wearing a mask for not wearing a mask i should say and and you know and we'll definitely dig into that more in a minute it's (laughs) this is an economic system that is showing fundamental structural problems and for a reopening to be happening that's moving this sluggishly mm-hmm. and is running into all these unanticipated costs is you know i i mean i know that before we put forward that this economy is probably going to sputter out around the holiday season but i'm starting to feel like that was a bit optimistic yeah i mean i was like you know, I told you straight out, I thought that that was optimistic. And, I mean, even I'm kind of surprised how bad it's getting. Yeah. Like, I thought somehow, like, at, and at this point, all they've got to 
flog through this mess is let's at least get consumer confidence back up. If we can like whip some confidence back into the consumers, the market will magically recover. Yeah. And it's like, the problem is, is that there isn't enough economic support. We still haven't resolved the supply chain problem. So, you know, consumer spending is like now massively distorted because, because of all this. And like, you're wanting an instant recovery when the fundamentals just aren't there. And like even getting, you know, restaurants back up to a hundred percent when we're still under these nasty supply chain shortages, that's starting to look like a pipe dream. And I would be less worried about this if I knew that like the federal reserve had the economies back. Oh yeah. Our other story, you want to get into it? <laughs> oh, yeah. So we've covered this before, that the Federal Reserve has outright said in September 2020, and on several occasions since then, that when they shot $10 trillion into space to save the economy such as it did, they were not going to be able to pull that rabbit out of the hat again. Like, yeah. They managed to make the doves fly, and then the doves promptly exploded because they mixed up the bird seed with like Alka Seltzer pellets. And mm-hmm. now we're getting stuff coming out from the Fed that reported through Bloomberg. So, you know, we're not like just sitting here like mainlining shitty Twitter takes from Matt Iglesias' asshole or something, um, equally credible, <laughs> that the Fed is not planning on raising interest rates, that quantitative easing is probably going to be the norm for a while, and they are expecting to continue their policy of buying back treasury bonds specifically for the purpose of propping up the value of the one financial instrument that ever since like 1945 has been more valuable than gold. <laughs> Fuck. Like, you know, hey, we're we're just having to like buy back all this bullion because we're suddenly realizing people no longer have confidence in this shiny yellow metal anymore. <laughs> yeah. And it's like infinite QE5 is going to be the norm. That's what they're saying. And, like, obviously, like, you know, the real freaks are, like, freaking out about this. Because, like, oh, quantitative easing is, you know, bad, wrong. They should not touch any policy. Um, You know, the market should just regulate itself. Blah, blah, blah. You've, You've heard all that bullshit before. Um, it's usually combined with like some sort of harebrained austerity policy. Um, but no, this time it's like, they're basically just admitting that like, there is no solution to this crisis, that they do not have any other tools than just maintaining this increasingly brittle 
system of quantitative easing. Like, and that's what this is. Yeah. This is like them conceding they don't have any other ideas because... And this is the thing. Jerome Powell, the ch- president of the Federal Reserve, has done everything the Fed could possibly do to address this crisis. And a few things that nobody thought the Fed could or should do because there has been no legislation. There has been no appropriation of things like a massive like infrastructure bill or all kinds of other shit that the u.s government could do to flog economic growth into existence by direct keynesian investment but because that's not happening and (laughs) the fed's basically been left to handle this with a set of tools that really never was ready for this shit let's be real like the fed's role in like managing the economy and the money supply was always supposed to be this kind of minimalist milton friedman wet dream Mm -hmm. so you know it's not like jerome powell is actively being a dick and going i shall like suckle myself on the tears of like homeless orphans or something i mean who knows maybe he does i i don't know what his only fans money goes for so i can't say but it's this is all the fed can really do and this is the Fed admitting they're out of options. There's nothing they can do. It's getting out to Bloomberg, and Bloomberg is trying their damnedest to not portray this as, oh, right, um, we're kind of fucked. Barring throwing the economic orthodoxy out the window. Yeah. Like, they want, they want this to work. Um, at the end of the day, a lot of these outfits, they just really want capitalism to work. And, like, given that the alternative is economic meltdown, like, they're not going to stop. But what's really worrying us is that this may not... What's really worrying us it Well it's like it, they're out of options. Yeah, it's like they're out of they're out of options. They can't just, you know, let the economy shit itself for a while and recover, you know, quote unquote naturally. Um so it's like this is all that's left to them. And that's that's bad. Yeah. Like at this point, the Fed is effectively saying to the American public, the business community, and the entire fucking planet, hey, guess what? This thing called the U.S. economy that's rattling down the road that we said is a perfectly functional car, well, actually, we've cracked an axle, we're driving on four spares, and the only way we got the ignition to go was by hotwiring the damn thing. So we're just going to, like keep going along and pray really hard that we don't hit a pothole. Mm-hmm. 
as they proceed to gear up for an off-road camping trip. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is... Yeah. We're... <laughs> the economy is just kind of fucked. Yeah. And so it's like, they can either, you know, let inflation get kind of a little out of hand, or they can, you know, let the economy shit itself. Um, and what they're choosing is, yeah, let's, let's just let inflation, let's let inflation go. It, it won't lead to hyperinflation at this juncture, I don't think. Uh, I hope. Yeah, I mean, things haven't gone that bad yet, but this isn't good, is what we're saying. It's not a good place to be when the only person who really is actively doing economic policy at this point, because I'm not saying the Biden administration's doing absolutely nothing, just that the amount of actual direct stuff they can do short of joe biden saying fuck it i am invoking the war powers act and am seizing control of the pharmaceutical industry and the hospital industry and we are going full-on fucking world war three on this uh crash motherfucker which he could do just putting it out there joe you could do that mm-hmm you could absolutely wipe your ass with the neoliberal consensus and avert catastrophe. You could, with the stroke of a pen, forgive all student debt and suddenly open the floodgates for all kinds of new spending and investment. But, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, that's, this is where we are. <laughs> like, I kind of almost feel for the Fed because they've done everything they can and you can hear them, like, just going like fuck 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 <laughs> pretty much on to plague news yep that gets us to a bit more on the rollback of the mask mandates so this happened like just as like after we recorded our last episode so if you're wondering why our last week's episode didn't say a thing about this that's why yeah sorry about that (laughs) this is like you know we've started recording you know earlier in the week so that we have an episode out on a consistent day and that means that sometimes you know things get lost we talk about some of these things on our Discord, but like, yeah, this is <laughs> this is how it works. That's how the sausage is made. We're in the perpetual 2020 moment here, so you know there is always the possibility that we're going to be like, oh, um, apparently the sky turned green three minutes after we finished cutting the episode. Um, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's not like we haven't had moments like that before. (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, so this one, though, what's kind of funny about, like, I mean, granted, we missed the moment of when it just came down, but we've caught all of the scuttlebutt that's come out since then, and it's included some really spicy shit, like Governor Cuomo of New York going, this is an absolute shit show, we were given no guidance on how or what was the best way to proceed on this. Um, And that, and this, like, now this weird phase rollout of ending mask mandates happening on a state-by-state basis that really does give the feeling that this was less like a nice well-considered policy that was the consensus of health officials and a lot more biden very desperately trying to get an easy win yeah like you may have heard me bitching about masks before and like i mean i wanted you know there to be like some reassurance that this wasn't gonna be you know forever but i wanted it to be like based in science based on like you know the actual local material conditions you know are we still you know a plague pit or have things recovered like you know let's let's see some fucking guidance here and the cec just kind of went no we we don't care about any of that um if you're vaxxed you're you're fine to do whatever the fuck you want um you're allowed to like cough in people's faces (laughs) and not that the cdc was that explicit yeah it's like and it's like that's intensely frustrating because it's like you know now i can't decide what i'm allowed to do even though you know i've had both shots i'm in like a week i will be considered fully vaccinated and i'm very happy about that but also this is like extremely annoying because now it's you know left up to my individual judgment as to whether to wear a mask and i don't like that like and it's it i i mean i've got both shots and i'm currently you know working at a tourist trap in san francisco that it's definitely getting business it's not getting business that's at you know the scale that it should be at i mean the bosses are all like very like this is doing great we're posting better sales than we did at this time in 2019 it's like yeah that's called a bubble but i'm not gonna say that out loud because i like having a paycheck um (laughs) yeah and and this is gonna be for anyone who's working in that industry now it's like well what the fuck am i supposed to do like am i because we're all expected to wear masks period end of discussion yeah but now with the mask mandate going away i guarantee like the quotient of asshole customers is going to just go through the ceiling yeah that's like you know you can't win like either you forego the mask and you're like you know people want to see your vaccine card or they're just like going you know to themselves god what an asshole or you wear the mask and then you have to deal with you know all of these like smug fucking anti-masker cops 
going, you know, you you don't have to wear that anymore. And it's like, I can't win. And it's the thing that gets me with this is, again, this is, there is nothing that's indicating this is based on a sound scientific consensus. Like, when you've got shit like Joe Biden saying everything will be back to normal by July 4th, that's feeling a lot like... I don't know, the entire British and French press in 1914 going, the war will be over by Christmas? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, I, I get the the urge to go mission accomplished, but it's like, goddamn, just, why did you do this? Well, it's because he can't get another stimulus, probably, so he's going for the only other stimulus he can think of, which is flogging the pores back into the killing fields. And the best way to do that is repeal the mask mandate, because then that gets rid of the justification for a lot of other um, limitations. Yeah. And it's like, it's only for, like, vaccinated people, we should say. Like, not you, that you know there's any way to tell right. if you don't have a card and you know it's not like there's not people who are making fake cards and selling them on etsy oh yeah like unless you've got you know access to the databases you can't verify whether one of those cards is real or not like it's not that hard to fake one. And yeah, <laughs> this is, of course, it's worth mentioning, at least based on what I've seen, there's nothing showing that the vaccines stop transmission. They, if you get COVID, the vaccine will definitely keep you from dying or having a serious case of COVID. It'll still probably knock you on your ass for a week, but at least you won't be, you know, on death's door during that absolutely hellish week. Yeah. I mean, it's like you will not be drowning in your own lung fluids, which is always a good thing. It's best to not drown. <laughs> yeah. And like the vaccines are very good at that, but it's like, oh. the And because we know there's a large anti-vax contingent in the american population there's like nothing about this that has me feeling good that this is going to prevent any kind of significant resurgence of covid yeah and it's like one of the things that's starting to worry me is that like there's like you know there's now a population of people who are like i'll get uh, get the vaccine whenever um but, you know, most of us work for a living. Like, you know, just because I personally can go to, like, the convention center and, you know, get hooked up, like, like you know, the way it works here, that doesn't mean that, like, everyone can do that. Everyone can, like, take time off of work to, like get stuck, feel a little off for a few days, and then three weeks later, get stuck again, do the same thing. Like, 
that's, you know, a huge pain in the ass. Like, I think, I mean, as, at least as far as service industries go, from what at least my totally anecdotal experience has seen is that service workers are like actively going out of their way to get vaccinated as quickly as possible because none of us fucking trust the Karens or anyone else um, in this. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, but I mean, you live in a city and like, you know, your rural, uh, your health in- infrastructure actually kind of works. Emphasis on kind of. <laughs> like, the state of California did actually do a reasonably competent job of organizing mass vaccination. Yeah. But that's very much not the norm for most of this country. Yeah, like, if you're working on Walmart in Birmingham, you may not be able to get the vaccine in a timely manner. Like... That's just the long and short of it. Like anything that requires you to go out of your way to get it becomes a major pain in the ass. Even if you know that you need it because, you know, the fucking pigs will not like wear a fucking mask. It's like, you know, if you can't, if you don't have like, you know, immediate automatic access to it, then that makes everything much more difficult. And we have not really spent a lot of time on making sure that that's, that's the case. Which is honestly kind of worrying me because, like, the real danger isn't, like, you know, cities with, like, functioning public health systems. The danger is out in, you know, rural bumfuck nowhere. Where, Where you know, hospital companies are actively closing down hospitals because it's no longer sufficiently profitable. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you're working at like, you know, a Walmart or a Dollar General or whatever, and you're just getting like actively fucked. And it's like, you know, it's a minor miracle that you've caught it until now. But, you know, you had to drive like 30 miles to you know, the county um, health department to get the vaccine. And, like, you can't just do that on a whim. And we need to fix that. But... Uh... Yeah. It's... Mm-hmm. I think that gets us pretty well to labor news. Yeah. Where we get to have, you know, some somewhat positive stuff. Yeah. So the big one is, as I'm sure anyone who does not literally live under a rock can tell you, Israel has been at it again. doing you know what they do like not exaggerating the idf calls the operations in gaza mowing the grass in their own internal documents um i really wish i was making that up i'm not um (laughs) you can find this there's all kinds of verification this is a fucking thing um so yeah 
there's all kinds of reporting on what's happened with this latest descent into like the lower circles of hell uh, that has been inflicted on the people of Palestine. That gets into a lot of detail. We're going to forego that because, you know, there's folks that are way better at that shit than us. Um, and instead focus on one part that is both within our wheelhouse and really, really fucking based. And that is the solidarity of workers, not just in Palestine, but beyond. Where, in response to this latest round of atrocities, Palestinian workers have enacted and declared their first general strike since 1936. Nice. And it really is having impact. Like Israeli construction um, has literally ground to a halt across the entire country. Um, Like the construction industry, for example, is reporting that they're going to be taking just from, you know, the last few days of every Palestinian worker downing tools. And I want to emphasize how incredibly difficult this is to do if you are a Palestinian worker, because the only way you can get legitimate work, because unemployment is just absolutely off the charts in the Palestinian territories, is by getting a work permit in Israel proper. And the only way you can do that is by being offered a job. And it is a very frequent labor discipline practice to threaten any palestinian workers with being fired with prejudice and being noted hey this guy was being uppity don't give him another job and now there goes your means to support your family on the other side of the line Mm. so that and that's you know part of why there literally hasn't been a general strike since before israel was a state so that this is happening is just absolutely incredible and that the Israeli construction industry and probably several others that haven't squealed loudly enough yet are taking it this hard really shows that when you can get a kind of mass strike action together like this, it really hits the people in power squarely where it hurts the most. I mean, this is this is pretty fucking awesome. Like, they didn't even do this during the Intifadas. I suppose no. partly because it didn't matter, but also still, like, fucking a. <laughs> yeah, this is just incredible. It's beautiful, and it's you know, this is, you know, folks stateside should probably be taking some notes you know just saying or in (laughs) the uk or any other place that's getting hit in the face with austerity bullshit you know maybe subscribe to some palestinian labor tiktoks you know (laughs) nice yeah (laughs) like i'm sure they're out there everybody's on tiktok at this point (laughs) 
<laughs> and outside of Palestine, there are now two reports of significant acts of labor solidarity by dock workers in Italy and in South Africa, where port workers, upon learning that the ships that they were going to be loading were going to be carrying munitions bound for Israel, downed tools and refused to do any work on those ships and effectively halted the movement of arms out to Israel. And I think there's also something planned for doing the same thing in the port of Oakland coming up. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking longshoremen. Don't fuck with them. Yeah. Supposedly there's a ship coming into LA that's going to be loading up on, um, on military hardware for the IDF. And, well, that ship should not be serviced. (laughs) Yep. And, you know, if enough people show up at the port of San Pedro, then I'm sure, you know, especially if you take the time to talk to the local longshoremen first, the shop steward would be more than happy to come out and make some very grave frowny faces at your pickets and jot down some important looking notes before then turning to the harbor master and going this is an unsafe working environment i can't let my unionized workers out here today <laughs> as so, they do so far yeah so so far it's been italian dock workers at two ports and south african dock workers at durban that's pretty fucking cool yeah so, you know This, by the way, is why Taft-Hartley banned Solidarity Strikes and why Thatcher banned Solidarity Strikes in the 80s. Yeah. Because they were pissed that, you know, we were not giving the government of South Africa its obvious due. And there was also a very lovely moment in the 70s when a group of uh, Glaswegian workers in Scotland, upon finding out that the weapons they were working on were bound for Chile, like down tools and went, yeah, we're not like making murder machines for Pinochet. What the hell's wrong with you? (laughs) Hell yeah. (sighs) So, you know. That that is always an option. Labor solidarity is always fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. So, um, on to banking and finance. Oh yeah. Never have there been a better moment for the sound cue. Never has that roulette wheel and slot machine sound been more appropriate. (laughs) So far. So far. So basically, the price of most cryptos collapsed a few days ago. Uh, Wednesday, to be precise. Uh, Bitcoin alone fell from about 65k to 30. Holy shit! Yeah. That's like 
Elon Musk is sitting going, damn, they said I fucked up. Yeah. Um, and even now, as of, like, you know, time of recording, they're still at, like, what, 42k? Um, I don't know. Um, Something. Oh, wow, it's, it's, it's actually fallen again. <laughs> oh, nothing wrong there. <laughs> like, right <sighs> this second, one Bitcoin is worth $37,589.10 um, as of 12.55 a.m. UTC. Um, so that was a couple hours ago. <laughs> And, and it wasn't just Bitcoin that jumped off a cliff. Every single crypto yeah. did the same thing. The, it was just like a lemmings moment. Yeah. I mean, it's like historically, this has always been a problem because crypto is very thinly traded. Um, what that means is that typically there's a lot of... There were not a lot of, like, sell orders to, you know, shore up the price of this speculative commodity thing. And so, as soon as you get through, like, the easy stuff in the order book, like, you know, 63k and whatever, um, you start, like, rapidly dropping because, you know, now you're starting to run into the orders where people are, like, I'm going to hedge my bets and just in case like I can buy back in at like 40 or 30 or 20 or 10, I'm going to do that. And since those are the only, you know, outstanding, you know, those are the only outstanding, like, you know, buyers for your sell order, you're kind of fucked. You have to pay that. <laughs> it's the classic market conundrum that you see in finance is what happens when you have an asset that nobody will pay for. And the yeah. answer is something like this. Like, what happened here, and I think what's still happening here, is that like people are buying up Bitcoin because it's at a bargain price, you see. Um, you know, comparatively. Um, how long that can, like, shore up the price at this point, you know, who fucking knows. But the thing of it is, is, like, obviously you cannot, like, sell this if there's not nobody willing to buy. And... Like, at every point in Bitcoin uh, pricing, there's always willing, somebody willing to buy, but there's never, like, people wanting to buy at, like, levels that you're willing to sell for. Like, you're, you're taking a loss. And more specifically, when we're talking this particular sell-off mass... What's going on is really a lot of things all at once yeah. that are 
exactly the kind of things that any halfway competent trader would look at and go, well, it's time to run for the fucking door. Um, things like a lot of Chinese asset holders in the wake of the Chinese government banning the use of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies in financial transactions, which effectively shuts it out of a lot of markets very quickly. Mm-hmm. And Elon Musk and Tesla saying, yeah, we're going to get the hell out of this mess after making a big deal about buying a big stake in Bitcoin and no longer accepting Bitcoin for purchases, which was largely due to logistical problems, like all this stuff all happening at the same time, as well as that you're seeing inflation reports, which is not supposed to happen. Full stop. Like, the thing about Bitcoin is it's assuming that there's not going to be these kind of inflationary pressures coming in. And they are. The other half of it (laughs) is um, there was a very unfavorable report about Tether. Tether is an Ethereum token that purports to be a so-called stablecoin. It purports to be backed by the U.S. dollar. Um, For every Tether issued, there is supposed to be an equal number of dollars backing it. We recently learned, along with everyone else, that the skeptics were right, and that was not actually the case. It's actually more like 3%. So this and since, you know, a lot of these transactions are denominated in US dollar tethers um (laughs) I I would say that normally Wall Street doesn't do shit that's this stupid but it behooves me to point out that not even a day before the crash kicked off Wells Fargo announced they were getting in on the crypto game. You know, the third largest bank in the United States. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like, all of this is like, the whole foundation of like, this as a speculative asset class hangs off of Tether, and Tether issued like, Okay, so to back up a bit, um, they recently had a bunch of legal issues for obvious reasons. They're running frauds. Um, and so they are settling with the New York Attorneys General to, like, provide more transparency about what the fuck they're actually up to. And they turned in an incoherent mess for the public disclosure. But from the public disclosure, we learned that, yeah, in terms of like straight up cash, they have like 3%. And, you know, the, you know, the total liquid assets that are backing Tether, 3%. Like, <sighs> That's it. For a coin that represents itself to be backed 100% by actual U.S. dollars, whether, you know, it's a number in a bank account or whatever, 
like it doesn't matter that was there were you know there's supposed to be like billions of tethers out there so there's supposed to be like billions of dollars hanging out in accounts owned by tether and there are not there's maybe a few hundred million just in time for one of the biggest banks (laughs) on the planet (laughs) to jump in full throttle yeah. To an obviously fraudulent, obviously overinflated, it's a fucking bubble, you dumbasses asset. It's always been a bubble. <laughs> it's never not been a bubble. Yeah. So, like, what's happened is that the this stablecoin peg is now wildly veering between ninety cents and dollar ten. Because it's like, I think they've sort of accepted that it's going to be something vaguely resembling fractional reserve banking. But at the same time, it's not stable anymore. (laughs) Assuming it ever was, let's be fair. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, they've been printing tethers for quite a while. Like... This is obviously fake. Like, you know. Like, so much of the rest of this bullshit, really. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I'm sure that you can make a token that represented itself as, like, a fractional reserve token that could be stable. Um, If you did, like, everything correctly, but that's not what was represented. It's not. The token is, on its own merits, completely worthless. Almost completely worthless. And, you know, whatever they told us, they must have told the New York Attorney's General something much worse. Because it was, it was obvious they were hiding shit in their public disclosures. What it was, we don't know. Probably bad investments. But the whole Tever situation is a disaster. Like, really, the fact that this puts WeWork's public offering to shame is... (laughs) Hats off to you guys. That's just incredible. Amazing. Amazing. They, They make investing in WeWork look more stable. Who incidentally also ate shit this week, but, you know, that's a totally different story. Um, You know, bringing it right along to our next segment, Energy and Climate. Mm. So... We got a lovely, you know, confirmation of, you know, things like, you know, that Oxfam study that showed that something like 70% of all greenhouse gas emissions were caused by 100 companies and their operations um, and all kinds of other shit that just keeps reinforcing the main drivers of the climate crisis are the absurdly wealthy and the mega corporations they own. Um there's now a new one that shows an estimated 20 firms 
just 20 companies are responsible for 55% of the world's plastic waste. So, like, all plastic that goes in a landfill doesn't get properly recycled, just becomes waste material. That, like, is because of 20 specific companies. Yeah. This will be single-use plastic, by the way. Um, like, you know, wrappers and shit like that. Things that cannot really be reused. Um, and... There, a lot of these are usually very hard to recycle. And, yeah. It, They're just you know, cranking them out. And, you know, it's as the climate movement's been saying for a while, we know who's killing the planet. They have names and addresses. Oh, yeah. And they show up on the news on a regular basis. It's like, well, here's more. <laughs> Definitely. <sighs> Gah. Yeah. I mean, at least we get the validation, but it still is pretty, like... You know, I hate being right. Yeah. About yeah. this shit. Cassandra Syndrome. Whatever yep. smugness you may have about being proven right is like it's just completely swept under by the fact that being right sucks. <laughs> Sometimes being right just completely sucks ass. <laughs> yep. Speaking of <laughs> So all this supply chain crisis we've been covering pretty breathlessly, let's be honest. We've been, like, on this beat for a while now. Practically since we started. Yeah. It's now hitting Bloomberg. Mm -hmm. Took them a while, but as of May 17th, they published a piece going, The world economy is running out of everything. Which, actually, you know what? Props for the great title. That, like, you know, you're not burying the lead there. That really surfaces the, like, the essence of what's going on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, really, actually, the Bloomberg, like, headline people have been doing a pretty damn good job lately. The one they had for the one about the Fed running out of options was Don't Fear the Taper. Like... God damn. Like, whoever they've got over there, we gotta, like, poach them or something. Um, <laughs> Worst pay, better hours. <laughs> but at least you'll be able to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so the gist of it is what we've been covering for the better part of a year. Yeah. No big surprises, no shocking swerves or anything here this is you know what we've been talking about for a while now that yeah guess what the supply and chain situation is falling apart and it is impacting every single industry because neoliberalism has no give or flexibility whatsoever yeah so what exactly is happening is in part well 
the April um, LMI report came out. And that's the Logistics Managers Index. Um, they basically, you know, ask a, bun- uh, a bunch of people in the biz, like, you know, house transport doing, house inventory, house warehouse expenses. Uh, how is that doing for you right now? And where do you see that going in the next 12 months? And the gist of it is that it's bad. It's really bad. Um, everything is growing for like inventory levels, inventory costs, warehousing prices, transport capacity, transport utilization, transport prices. Like warehousing utilization is growing at a decreasing pace. This is all as of April 2021. And warehousing capacity and transportation capacity are contracting. Um, I did mention transportation capacity twice here. And the fairly obvious conclusion is that as much capacity as they're managing to add to the system, it's not enough. Um, like, the warehouses are filling, but goods are not getting from point A... uh, from their ultimate point A to point B in a timely manner in a way that enables the frictionless flow of just-in-time logistics. Like, that stuff is not working right now. You know, everyone is having to hold inventory, and we are not set up for that. We are not set up for those kinds of purchasing and and stockpiling flows. And that's what's, you know, massively fucking up the supply chain situation. So, yeah, it's pretty bad. We are yeah. really running out of everything. <laughs> and this is the last thing you want to be hearing if you are planning some kind of grand post-COVID reopening. That turns out everything's more expensive And even with federal relief, you're going to need to make more money than you normally would have. Yeah. To really get into a safe place. Like, you need to not just hit your growth targets for, like, this year and this quarter. You need to hit all of the ones you had in the last few quarters. And you need to hit them now just to stay treading water. And that's impossible. That's not possible. Especially when we're seeing all kinds of indicators that that is absolutely not happening. JP Morgan is seeing indicators that that's not happening or going to happen. Which I guess gets us to our last word. So during the pre-show, we were like sort of running around in circles a little bit about what the what the fuck news item was, and thankfully the thing with Citizen fell into our lap. Um, yeah, because the th- one that we had before that was some stupid Twitter fight involving Angela Nagel, notorious plagiarist. 
uh, Matt Iglesias, notoriously stupid shit lib, who thinks Marxism is a conspiracy theory, and Russ Douthat, notorious exorcism fetishist and op-ed columnist. Yeah. Like, Dufa kind of realizes that the current system doesn't work, but the replacement he proposes is, like, if you do wrong, you should be chained up in the Duke of Prince Bergen County's um, personal jail cell. <laughs> like, that's... That is how he proposes to, like, solve everything. It's some full-on, let's just, like, you know, call a mulligan on the French Revolution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what's kind of... The take that really jumps out was the thing that kicked it off, which was Nagel's How the Libs Owned Us All. And it, you can find it on her substack. It's nothing that particularly impressive. Like, she's managed to correctly notice that the sky is indeed blue and gravity does indeed appear to work in noting that the centrist libs did manage to pull one over on everybody else and are now in power. What her and her circle jerk Twitter buddies didn't mention at all is the actual material conditions that is this podcast bread and butter yeah like fundamentally the assumption that a lot of these people make is that this is a triumph for the centrists and you know everyone uh, everything is working as it should um this whole thing is going to work itself out. Politics, as usual, will return. We will all return to tradition, and you know everything will be like the Clinton years again. The '90s will come back, and the fact that you know they have to do it through like you know economic intervention is like yeah okay that kind of like shoots the neoliberalism narrative in the head but not really well not let's be really. real covid did take neoliberalism out back and shoot it in the head anyway the fact that biden and the centrists are recognizing that neoliberalism is like rotting on the front lawn and the blood is starting to congeal is less a policy shift and more a recognition that the existing reality just does not fucking work the moment you introduce any amount of turbulence to this system yeah and it's like obviously neoliberalism is still a concern it's the foundation on which this house is still built like that's where i think nagel uh, falls down among many other things yeah and that's the big thing is, yeah, she's right. The centrist libs are in charge and they own what's coming. That includes, you know, the fuck you tidal wave called the economy is still in the shit. There are indications that it is not recovering, that there has not been sufficient economic intervention to arrest the downward motion, that capital flight is actively happening out of the United States to greener pastures like the African Union and Egypt. And Wall Street's usual sorcery looks like it's going to succeed in summoning a demon that eats its face again. So... This is not 
the ideal or even close to ideal circumstances to make the Bidenite, as she calls it, secular multiracial democracy experiment work. Yeah, like her fundamental assumption and a lot of the assumption of like, you know, the weirdos on the so-called anti-woke left is that like this Bidenism can work and is working. And I can see why that would be a tempting narrative because like, it kind of seems like it is working. If you like, you know, ignore everything going on beneath the surface, like it does seem to be working. Um, Like, you know, vaccines are being distributed. Um, You know, there isn't like a scandal every five minutes on CNN like things are, you know, returning to normal. We're not currently in the throes of the biggest mass uprising in American history period. So, you know. Mhm. Mhm. And it's like that's not how it works. <laughs> so, yeah, this I guess you could say our last word is to particularly these fucks, and we are going to tag them in this, because for fuck's sake, guys. Yeah. I would think you're smarter than this, but clearly you're not. Um, it's all fucking fraud. Yeah. We've been saying it. We're not the only ones saying it. We got, like, there's other more mainstream outlets like fucking Axios that are starting to jump on the it's all fraud train and asking for a ticket up in the first class accommodations bloomberg is seeing the supply chain crisis the non-business press is starting to go oh shit that looks like a really long way down as they normally do when an economic crisis is underway because the business press is always the last to say it yeah like this is like the thing of it is is like this this moment that like you know like all of the centrists are basically drinking the Kool-Aid. They think that they've won. They fundamentally believe that they've they've won. And the fact of the matter is is how can you win like this? Like the material conditions are not going to allow a recovery. At most, we're going to be stumbling around in a malaise for the next five years. And let's, you know, just to be clear on one thing, this isn't what we're suggesting that the economy is going to do is not unprecedented. It's actually happened quite a few times in modern economic history. The most prominent example being, oh, wait, the Great Depression, where the usual story And, you know, this is an understandable narrative, why this is sort of the popular understanding, is Wall Street went kaboom in 1929, and everybody was out of a job, and the banks ran out of money. The end. Well, what's really funny is the day after Black Tuesday, the headline from the Wall Street Journal was, Market Recovers After Abrupt Sell-Off. And there was, when you look at the Dow Jones Industrial Average from 1929 to 1932, a fairly significant rebound in stock prices that recovered, like, I'd say, like, about a third of the ground loss during the big crash. 
And based on available indicators, at the time, according to the business press, the worst was over, the crisis has passed, and while there are certainly problems in the economy, the fundamentals appear to be sound and we're on our way back to good times again, and then the bubble ran out of steam and just completely imploded, and by 1932, one in four Americans were out of a job. Yeah. Like, that's that's what we're looking at. Some of this happened very quickly. Some of this uh, is going to take years to play out. Because, like, the way our economy is structured is structured around these, you know, max effort supply chains where, you know, everything has to get there on time or nothing works. And we have had a year and we're approaching a year and a half where that has not been the case. Like. And it shows. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Maritime accidents are up. Mm -hmm. Trucking accidents are up. Because there's less people working in these fields because of COVID. So the people that are left are being forced to pick up the slack at the same rate as before. So, of course, accidents are up and overwork is up and the Ever Given's fucking T-boning the Suez Canal. Yeah. Like, this is fundamentally what this crisis is. (laughs) It's not. It's systemic. And Biden was never up to the task of solving it. Like, if he was, he would have, like, beaten multiple industries to death with the War Powers Act and the War Industries Act and all kinds of other, like, existing executive powers that do allow the U.S. president to go, actually, we are sort of suspending capitalism for a hot minute here. Capitalism will be suspended for the duration of crisis. We are in the state of economic exception. Yeah. Except no one notices it. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, that's... That's the gist of it, really. So, from all of us at Chop Shop, and especially to you three chuckle fucks on Twitter, (laughs) who we've just spent the last, like, 12 minutes dragging on. This has been Chop Shop Economics. We read this shit so you don't have to. Good luck, everybody. Bye, everyone.